You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Roma. listening to the trailer for Roma, and the story is as follows. In the 1970s Mexico City, two domestic workers help a mother of four while her husband is away for an extended period of time. The film is starring Yalitia Aparicio, Marina de Tavira, and it is written and directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Joining me for this review, I have Beatrice Loaiza. Hey, everyone. And also as a guest on this episode, we have Jose Solis. Thank you for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Jose, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, You are based in New York along with myself. We actually saw this film together at the New York Film Festival. And you are actually a uh, a freelance uh, film critic here in New York. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, I'm sure, like Beatrice, myself, I mean, obviously, we're all very familiar with Alfonso Cuaron's work. We have seen him evolve as an artist over the years, and he's, you know, done a lot of blockbuster films over the last couple of years with things like Harry Potter, Gravity, which he won an Oscar for. And now with Roma, he's going back to that smaller, more intimate scale filmmaking that we saw in films like Y Tu Mama Tambien. So... This is very, very interesting, though, because it's not just like a small independent film. It's It feels like it's also a, a, an intimate personal story on this very large canvas. So there's a lot to really digest with Roma here. I want to get into it. Jose, you are the guest here. Why don't we start off with you first? What do you think of Alfonso Cuaron's newest film, Roma? What struck me so much the first time I saw it uh, was uh, I was I was born and raised in, in Honduras, which you might have heard about. Uh, your listeners might have heard about because you know, like we keep our, my people keep being like villainized by the media because they're trying to get to the states in the migrant caravan. But anyway, what struck me so much about about Roma was that even if you know it's set in Mexico, it's a film that spoke to me as if it had been made in my home country. Mm. It was so specific to a very Latin American lifestyle. Like I, I got chills and I'm not kidding, Matt. I got chills because in one of the scenes we see uh, the, the little room where uh, Cleo, uh, the, the main character, lives in the house. And it has a spiral metal staircase. And I remembered being four years old and my nanny in my house. Her room was also on the second floor. And the only way to get there was on a metal staircase that my parents would always tell me not to go on because it was dangerous and I could fall. So 
I was like, how did Alfonso Cuarón know this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of the film, right? Is that it's a film that, uh, much like uh, Federico Fellini's film Armor Cord, uh, deals with um, memories from his childhood. And those memories are so, so specific and so universal that even, you know, someone like myself who has absolutely no connection whatsoever uh, directly to what Alfonso Cuarón is portraying here on screen, there's still a great deal of empathy that comes across in every single frame, every single character decision, literally every aspect of this movie that it does speak to you on a universal level. Um, in some cases, like yourself, more personal. Um, in other cases, um, it still is able to strike a chord regardless. Absolutely, yeah. Beatrice, what about you? What did you think of Roma? So, I mean, I, I was ridiculously impressed by Roma when I, when I saw it at TIFF a few months ago. Um, it was the second to last film of 17, and I was pretty scared that Festival of Fatigue would dull my experience, especially since, you know, this isn't a blockbuster uh, by, by any measure. But instead, I found myself absolutely transfixed within, you know, the, the opening moment of you know, the reflection of the puddle of water and the airplane that you see in the, in the teaser, right? Is that the teaser? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think Koron is so good here at creating um, a rich visual space that straddles, as you say, said Matt, uh, that epic historical context with the sort of smallness of the life of this domestic servant, uh, Cleo. And um, to echo what um, Jose was saying, I also, it really resonated with me personally as well. And it's so weird since this is a Mexican film, I myself am Peruvian, but I also felt like it could have just been a movie set in Peru. It was so bizarre. And I also had a weird experience where something felt like it came out of my life, but it was on the film. Uh, my mother is actually a karate instructor and practiced karate in Peru. And she fell in love with another karate person who also ended up treating her badly uh, it was just so bizarre to see karate appear in this film uh in a way that was sort of similar to how it's figured in my own life <laughs> really really bizarre um so i mean i i was really i don't know spellbound by this film I have to say, when I saw it at New York Film Festival, uh, the, the 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 hype was already there. There was the Golden Line winner out of the Venice Film Festival, rapturous praise. It premiered also at um, Telluride, uh, once again, universal acclaim. And in my mind, like the expectations were just so, so high for this movie heading into it. And I hadn't really... You know, to keep myself spoiler free, I didn't really read too, too much into specifically uh, what kind of a film it was. Uh, You know, I read some initial reactions and saw some headlines, but I didn't really go into detail. So I don't really know if I knew exactly what I was setting myself up for when I sat down to watch this. Um, What I can tell you is this. I found myself dozing off in the first hour of this movie. And... I felt like a little bad about it too, but to me, the first hour is extremely slow, but I think that is by design because it is kind of more fly on the wall in the way that Alfonso Cuaron presents the story of uh, this family and of uh, this housekeeper uh, played by Yulitia Aparicio here. 
And I was waiting for some narrative thrust to the story. I was waiting to see, like, okay, where is the plot actually going to kick in? Or is this just simply Alfonso Cuarón's just pointing the camera and just shooting? You know, like I, I, I just, and then, and then I thought to myself, all right, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like very art house experimental, and there isn't really going to be conflict or anything like that introduced into the story. And but as the movie went along. That did start to happen, that by the time we got to hour two, I swear to you, Jose, anyone that sat around me in that theater on that day at that press screening for Roma saw Matt Neglia cry and saw Matt Neglia cry hard. (laughs) I was a blubbering mess by the end of this movie. And that is why, like, taken as a whole, as a whole, I think Roma is a flat out masterpiece. Uh, but I, I, I have to admit that I think my expectations and just where I was mentally in that first hour, it took me a little while for me to kind of settle into its rhythm and its pacing. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of see where you're coming from that. I mean, it is a crisp black and white film and the camera captures the events as if their memory is being resuscitated from some backlog and, you know, there's no concentrated narrative, uh, arc or anything like that. Um, and it's not showy at all. And I think some people might be turned off with how aesthetic it might feel, sort of like uh, observing artwork in a museum. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally was really captivated by it and wowed by how Quoron could elevate some really simple techniques, like tracking shots, for instance, in a significant moment towards the end at the ocean, how he could elevate you know simple techniques to really epic proportions, which, you know, I suppose does require a bit of patience, um, sort of getting in tow with that uh, goal. Hmm. What about you, Jose? What do you make of uh, the, you know the first hour, the sec- compared to the second hour? Well, I was going to say, if it makes you feel any better, I don't remember right now the name of the cinematographer who said this, but in a documentary about uh, a Mexican cinematographer called Gabriel Figueroa, one of the cinematographers I interviewed said that for him, it was actually a delight when he found out that people were dozing off during his movies because he said that that meant that the images were connecting to like the dream subconscious oh. and that people and connected to, you know, the dream like qualities of, of the film. And I think Roma absolutely has that. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a good thing that you were like dozing off. Uh, that's anyway. so, <laughs> so funny. No, because it, it actually makes perfect sense because you know, we all know that that is Alfonso Cuaron's intent with this movie. Right, right. Is to present uh, through the use of memory um, a slow, dreamlike, it's almost, it, it, you know what, I hate using this word because it's, you know, hyperbole, but I'm going to use it here. Hypnotic. Mm-hmm. It's a hypnotizing movie to a certain degree. And wow, I, you know what? I, I need to see this film a second time. I, I I mean, I already planned on seeing it a second Same. time no matter what. But I, I feel that this movie has so many layers to it and so much to uncover. And Jose, you just gave me another one there. Wow, that is that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't see it as a knock. Like I didn't like like it didn't make me actually hate the movie that it did this to me. I actually just chalked it up to, oh, I didn't have coffee this morning. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, probably. Like, I thought it was just me. Like, I didn't blame the film for the way it was making me feel. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, wow. That, my mind is blown by that. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of those rare movies where like, I, I, 
I, I'm one of those like horrible people who actually likes spoilers sometimes. Like I don't really think that knowing what happens in a movie like ruins the movie for you. So sometimes I seek spoilers. But with this movie, when I've been talking about it to people who haven't seen it, I'm telling them don't watch anything. Not because you're going to spoil the plot, but because I think each and every frame in this movie should be experienced for the first time when you're watching it. Like I'm telling everyone, don't watch the trailer skip the poster, like close your eyes whenever you see the poster or whatever. You know, and that's interesting too, because it's not just the visuals uh, that play a role with Roma. It's also the sound and the use of the left, right audio channel. So when I saw this in the movie theater, I was so impressed with how the sound was utilized in this movie um, that maybe too, to a certain extent, maybe that's also what uh, contributed to the hypnotic quality of this movie was that the sound felt lived in. It felt real. I actually felt like I was in the movie because of the way that the sound design is so masterfully constructed. Right, yeah, I I agree. And I think that something that complements that is how oftentimes the camera just does the slight tilt as if it's your head turning to the side, Mm. uh, Mm. looking at something, you know, to the left or to the right. And, you know, the sound is also coming from that direction. It was a very, you know, lived in experiential experience. And even though this may not be, quote unquote, as flashy as something like Gravity or Children of Men, I I think that what Alfonso Cuaron is doing here is equally as impressive because he is, you know, not going as big with uh, his choices here, but they're still really, really carefully thought out and and well-executed choices that all have purpose behind them. It's not like he got lazy, just decided to point the camera and say, okay, like, shoot. To your point, Beatrice, you know, there are these uh, pans left and right that feel like they have purpose behind them. And maybe, you know, for some people, they may not understand the purpose uh, because they, they might be too concentrated on trying to find the plot in the movie. And like, why are we watching her fold laundry so much? Why, you know, it's like, I, I, can, I, I worry, I genuinely worry when this hits Netflix in a few days, how people are going to react to it. Uh, because I do believe uh, that there's been a lot of hype for this movie, even more so now compared to when we all saw it. Um, and it was just, you know, just premiered like a few weeks prior to us all seeing it. Now it's been months since then. And the expectations, I think, for some unassuming people that are going to pop this on their Netflix, I, I worry that they're not going to be able to make it through. Because... This movie is very, very surprising. It's not as visceral as something like Children of Men, but it's just as immersive because it kind of seeps its way into you slowly and it just takes hold of you from the inside. It, it's it, it's quite a magic trick on Quaron's part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I like that he chose this project and he's putting it on Netflix. And, you know, so many people probably have these this expectation of some sort of blockbuster like movie. Yeah. Um, especially the people that, you know, might groan at, you know, needing to see the duller aspects of, you know, the domestic life that's being portrayed. Um, but he doesn't even care. He just forces you to understand or at least see how compelling and heartbreaking and important these lives are as well. 
Oh, I, 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 I agree. Absolutely. And something also that I love about the movie was how much it inspired me to go into some research after I saw it. Because mm. like Cuaron keeps like giving us clues about what was going on in Mexico during the time when it's set. And there's like posters for like the presidential uh, election. And there we see like those uh, people who are training with uh, CIA agents and they're like teaching them martial arts and then we see what happens with that like I had never heard about the uh, Corpus Christi uh, massacre for instance and when the movie ended I was like I need to know more about this and as a Latin American person I felt so grateful because quite uninvited me to learn more about my history and about the history of you know my part of the world and he did it too without beating us over the head with that Oh, like, yeah. To your point, it's it's there and it's subtle. And if you want to go out and do the research yourself, you can. Like this, as a great piece of art, this is what filmmaking should be, in my opinion. It should not be so spoon fed to us and, you know, constantly hitting us over the head with what it's trying to say exactly. I think a film like Roma is resonating with so many people because. It's presenting things just enough with just enough ambiguity that it's allowing for people to kind of make their own personal connections to it. And it's resonating more deeply than most films ever do for some people as a result of that. It's it's I, I, I once again, like it's it's astonishing. This is a movie that I can guarantee you like I, I, it's the only movie from 2018. I feel comfortable saying this. This is the undisputed masterpiece of 2018 that 50 years from now if the if the earth is still here <laughs> we're going to be looking back on this movie the same way that we look back on Fellini on Bergman on Kurosawa Koran has officially like if you didn't believe before with his previous films that he's one of the all-time greats this is it this is the proof by all means yeah it's so spectacular I agree. Straight to Criterion. <laughs> uh, uh, so let's talk about the performances here. Let's talk about Yalitzia. Let's talk about Marina. Uh, what do we think of their work here? Because I know with Yalitzia, there's been a lot of claims, especially like online, being that she's you know a school teacher, never uh, any prior acting experience before, and you know there's been some claims that it's really Koran who's the star here that could get that performance out of her. Um, without that prior experience. But I, you know, as I as I think about it more and more, and I, as I think back on just what she has to do in this movie, especially in that second act, I mean, I think the very nature of the fact that she's not a trained actor and that that performance is so believable, and there's not a false note in the performance. It's not Hayden Christensen in the, you know, Star Wars prequels or anything like that. <laughs> All right. It, it, but it's a no, but it's a non-showy performance. It's a very lived-in performance. It feels authentic and real. And I think that's what um is maybe getting some people to make claims that, oh, the performance is not all that. You know, it's not like uh, something bombastic and loud like say Nicole Kidman in Destroyer this year. So I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to know what what the two of you think, uh, especially of Yalitzia here. What, what do you what do you all think of her performance? I think there's like an element of like extreme sexism and also racism in people saying that she's not doing anything. Because I bet if you know, like I've I've seen people even try to take selfies and can't stay still or smile when people are like, okay, smile for the camera. So people 
you know, disregarding her work because it's her first time. It's just like bonkers to me. And I, I don't know if you guys have heard about, I, I think there's a story that's been uh, missing from the uh, English speaking movie world. And I'm not sure if either, either, sorry, either of you have heard about how much uh, racism Yalitza Paris is getting in Mexico. Have you heard about this? No. Yes. What? Wait, what? Why? Yeah. Well, she's, you know, she's on the cover of American magazines and she's being profiled by Time and Vanity Fair and she's doing like the red carpet thing right now, right? And in Mexico uh, and the media, like people, like, you know, like regular people in the comments are using racist remarks to say, why is this woman representing Mexico? Why is this person considered beautiful? And I think that it's very brave. Uh, I feel horrible for her, obviously. Like, no one should go through anything like this. But it's very brave of Yalitza, also as an indigenous woman, to put herself and be so vulnerable on screen, both in the movie, but also, you know, in real life, because people are giving her crap for being in the movie. So That makes you know, no very, sense to me. <sighs> yeah. It's a very meta like thing in like a despicable way, I think. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm glad that she's bringing to the surface how much racism there is in Latin America and in Mexico. And she's, you know, in a way she's even reinforcing the themes of the movie, which are that precisely like we see that even if Cleo is like part of the family, she's not really part of the family. She has to code switch speaking in mixed tech with her best friend who also works in the house. And there's that element where, you know, like people uh, are being paid to be part of the family and they're told they're part of the family, but they never are. So I love both the performance and the social uh, awareness that Yalitza is bringing to, to, to the conversation about race. I, I love the honesty of the performance. And to your point before, the fact that she's making herself so vulnerable um, on screen and off screen, I didn't know this. Uh, that That's that's really despicable to hear uh, such a thing. And it, I don't, I, you know what, I don't presume to want to know or, you know, or anything like that. All I know is that that's, that's very, that's very disheartening to hear that. But you're right, though, her strength, both as an actress and as a person in this instance on the campaign trail, only helps us to empathize more with not just her performance, but her as an individual. And I think that's, you know, speaking from an Oscar political strategic standpoint, I think that works heavily in her favor, actually, as far as building a narrative is concerned. You know, look at how much adversity um, this person who's not trained for any of this and was never, you know, like asked to be given fame or anything like that. And, and look at how much of a role model she is being for even people who are established celebrities and maybe could conduct themselves with as much dignity and grace as she is. That That's 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 so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Beatrice, uh, what, what did you think of Yulitsia's <laughs> performance in this? Well, I'm not going to say anything entirely too different, but I I found her performance so heartbreaking and beautiful. And I mean, whether or not Quaron helped her, I mean director is supposed to help an actress, you know, bring out the best in her performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see the problem in that or or why it should impact our evaluation of of her, the, what she was able to bring uh, to, to the role of Cleo. 
Um, I mean, it's it's essentially a Mexican neorealist film. And so naturally she's going to give a performance that isn't showy or uh, involves a lot of dialogue or anything like that. But I mean, you get everything you need from just seeing her facial expression when she's dealing with, you know, the hardest moments in, in the film, which I won't spoil. Um, but just those glimpses of her face are, are enough to convey what she's feeling at the time. And I mean, I, I loved it. I, I thought she was incredible. And Marina de Tavira um, is, is the more trained actress. And she, I think she has a, like what, two scenes in the movie where you kind of, you know, get the sense like, okay, like, you know, even though it's still a very honest uh, portrayal in the film, just as much as Ulysses is, um, I, I think it kind of shows a little bit more when you watch it that she is the one that's the trained actress of the two, just based on the scenes that Quaron uh, give, gives her involving her uh, her husband. I thought her performance was also really good, too. And, you know, she's a name right now that's not it's like just on the tip of the best supporting actress conversation where. I feel like more people should be probably talking about her just a little bit more, possibly. I know I myself was a skeptic uh, initially when I first saw the film, and I was like, oh, it's no, it's it's Yalitzia. She's the one that's the star of the movie. It's about her. Um, and I, and I too, thought to myself, like, oh, I don't know if Marina's uh, show uh, role is going to be able to stand out amongst all of the other elements that this movie is bringing to the table in terms of the awards conversation. But... Once again, like time, I think has been a very, very huge, uh, ben, um, has been a very, very huge influence on me with this movie because of how much I've had the time to think back, reflect on those performances, and there's not a single false note in there that I can say, you know, that I can like jump on and be like, oh, like you know, immediate discount, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's not. It, they're they're both high quality performances and as a result of which they've only gotten better in my mind. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really enjoyed Marina de Tavira's performance. Um, I mean, I think her role is given a bit more agency given that she's sort of the privileged fair skinned Mexican and, you know, of the two uh, to sort of put the two in contrast. Um, I think she has dramatic scenes that uh, would seem more Oscar worthy. I mean, she speaks more, or she would seem like she speak more relative to how much Yulitsa actually does speak. But I mean, I mm. think that's something Koron artistically decided to do uh, to sort of show the contrast in uh, the class contrast between the two. But I, I'm not sure. I, I don't, I'm, I feel like the focus is just on Quaron and sort of the epic scale of the film. And I'm not sure if the performances will um, be noticed by, you know, when it comes to, to Oscar non mourning. Yeah. Um, though they should be. <laughs> yeah. But to Jose's point though, I mean, you know, the Oscar race is all about the narrative, right? It's all about what can people write about, uh, and post that will keep it in the conversation and get people talking and sustain buzz and momentum, right? Cause it's a long season at the end of the day and you need that to, in, you need that in order to continuously to tell the story of this actor, actor, actress, director, whatever it might be. So I, I definitely think there is something there, especially with what Jose uh, brought up in regards to Yalitzia. I wasn't aware of that. I think that only does help to fuel the campaign for her. If the film can show up and say something like SAG Ensemble, 
you know, uh, in a beast of no nation type of, you know, nomination there. Um, I think I think that that only helps to push along the conversation for the performances individually in their respective categories for actress and supporting actress. Yeah, because even the children are fantastic, and like usually, like child actors are kind of annoying. In I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, it all culminates in that scene at the beach at the end where they're all together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I defy anyone, anyone to find a more powerful moment than that in any movie this year. Oh, I know. It's it's wonderful. And you know what? You were talking before about Marina and and Yalitza. One of the things that I've been thinking about uh, recently is that I've been in my mind, I've been like comparing them to what... uh, Ilya Kazan did in Streetcar, where he had Marlon Brando, who was like a stage actor, and then he had uh, Vivian Lee, who was like a, a movie actress, right? And like their different styles like complement each other. So I think that Marina's like more technically aware acting, and Yalitza's, you know, uh, first time acting, which is so natural, like complement each other in like a Marlon Vivian kind of way. And I think uh, I, I, I love that comparison you made there. And I think that uh, part of the reason why that also does work is just because of the way that, like, to Beatrice's point, that how the roles are written. Ulysses' role doesn't call for her to be loud or um, eccentric or, you know, things that most people would look at and, you know, check off on a, under a box of this is a good performance. You know, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't check off those boxes. Instead, what it is, is it's it's a it's a. Um, it's a it, it's an empathy machine. <laughs> it's like what it is. It's a it's a performance that's meant to just gush empathy out of its audience, essentially. And to to the point that I was making before about how well this movie has been embraced by the critical community, the audience, uh, the general audience, is still out out for question. I I don't I don't know how general audiences are going to respond to this movie. I want to believe though. That with so much empathy, so much beauty, so much humanity, so much just life displayed on screen, like like this is going to be the barometer test for me of whether or not if the world is turning to shit. <laughs> if general audiences reject Roma, <laughs> there is no hope for humanity. <laughs> we are completely screwed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope the subtitles <sighs> keep people awake. I know, you know, the general audiences have been very reluctant to watch movies movies with subtitles well uh, according to its first couple of box office reports uh, supposedly because netflix doesn't release the financials um it supposedly has the best per theater average for a foreign film ever that's wonderful <laughs> hopefully we're getting somewhere all right let's talk about final thoughts great out of 10 oscar potential we already touched upon oscar potential a little bit we'll go a little bit further with it but for final thoughts and a great out of 10 jose do you have any final thoughts on roma Oh my god, I have way too many thoughts in Rome. I don't think I could even like this is like the kind of movie that I love because if you ask me to for a final thought, I'd probably say something right now and then like in a couple hours I would be like, I should have said this instead. And it's you know, a movie that I just look forward to uh discovering new things every time I see it. I'm just excited to have it in the world. Yeah, I mean it's I can very easily see myself like once every ten years or something like that watching this movie again and having a totally new reaction based upon my own personal experience because of how universal it is. I feel like it is a movie for all time. Oh, yeah, by all means. And my grade would be like the highest grade, like, you know, like a 
100 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone's ever said that here on the show. So you know what? You are the first. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Beatrice? Um, Oh, man. Yeah, I I have many thoughts on this. But something I did want to point out is that um, this isn't like a conventionally empowering female lead character. Roma doesn't give Cleo a voice really or make an effort to show how she might feel about the events that are happening. But what it does do is shine the spotlight entirely on her. And I think, uh, you know, this being a film that's coming from the privileged, you know, fair skinned Mexican perspective of Cuaron, who, you know, personally was, is a much more privileged individual than uh, the person he's depicting. Um, uh, this decision almost feels respectful. I mean, it's an ode to someone that he recognizes played such an important role in his in his life. I mean, Cleo is modeled after uh, his own uh, nanny growing up, uh, and he recognizes that she was likely neglected and abused to some extent by his family. And he knows that he's probably not going to be able to entirely know or understand uh, the degree to, you know, which she experiences life as, as well as, you know, maybe a Latina director or another Mexican director with an indigenous or working class background would be able to. Um, But I think the fact that he's fully conscious of this um, and aware of these limitations, and he just, you know, wants to give this person a beautiful tribute and depict how um, someone like Cleo's life can be just as worthy of epic filmmaking it is marvelous. So <laughs> I obviously love this film. And I also want to give it an 100 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for me, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to say 100 out of 10. I will, I am going to stick to my own rating system of a, of a 10 out of 10. <laughs> but um, I, I love that this film has perfect scores from us across the board. I think it's going to be that way for many, many people. Even like I said before, um, in regards to how the first hour of the movie for me was a tad bit unengaging for me, um, maybe because of expectation, maybe because of the day, or to Jose's point, which is still blowing my mind, maybe that was the entire point. Maybe that was Quaron's intent uh, completely. And I can't view that as a negative, which would force me to knock the grade down. Um, As I said before, I think Roma is a flat-out masterpiece, and it is not only one of, if not the best film of 2018, but it's going to be an all-timer. I mean, this is, I think, indisputable that it's going to live on, and it's going to be watched again and again. Pieces will be written about it. New perspectives, new takes will be discussed about it. To uh, Jose's point earlier, maybe it's not even something directly about the movie, but something that the movie has um, in the background or a line of dialogue that's heard over, say, the radio or something like that that forces people to examine the era and the time period, and then they write a piece about that. Whatever the case might be, this is a film to be dissected. It is a film to be studied, analyzed, but also felt. It's a film that I think is supposed to have a connection with those that watch it, and I think that it achieves it uh, better than most films I think I've ever, ever seen like I said, I was a just a waterfall of tears coming out of my eyes in this movie. The, the 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 hospital scene. I know we haven't really gone into spoilers or anything like that, but I have not seen a single scene this year in cinema that wrecked me as much as that did. 
I mean, oh. utterly destroyed me. And it's part of the reason why, like, I'm not so, so much in a rush to want to watch the film again, uh, you know, from an entertainment standpoint. But there's so much to be found and so much to be uh, contemplated within the beauty of every single frame of this movie that um, I, I definitely want to go back and uh, see if I can uncover more of what it has to offer. Because Lord knows there's so much on the table here with this one. Oh, man, he wrote it, he produced it, he directed it, he is the cinematographer, he's the editor. Like, goddamn, Quaron, you're, you're, too, you're too good. <laughs> you're just too good for this world. <laughs> it's unreal. I don't know how he tops this, honestly. I don't know what he's going to do next, but I don't know how he can ever top this. You know, he's gone and done full CGI, big blockbuster type uh, action, you know, sci-fi, whatever you want to call it with gravity. And he's crafted a small, intimate, epic, yet deeply personal film with Roma. I uh, just like, is there anything that this guy cannot do? I, I don't know. Maybe he'll try animation next time. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> you know what? Let's get, let's get Quran over at Pixar and let's create like, you know, <laughs> Oh my God. Like the craziest <laughs> animated film of all time. Oh, dear Lord, I can't even imagine. Here's what I can't imagine now. I can't imagine that with all the resources that Netflix has put behind Roma, um, I think this is going to do very, very well on Oscar uh, nomination morning. I, in terms of its Oscar potential, have it you know, on the table right now for picture, director, actress, supporting actress, original screenplay, cinematography, film editing, sound mixing, and best foreign language film. And I could even see a world where maybe even best sound editing is on the table because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, they do go for um, a film getting into both sounds. I mean, like this movie has a chance to be an across the board contender on Oscar nomination morning. Which of those um, prospects are actually going to shake out though into actual nominations remains to be seen and it's not going to be because something wasn't worthy or anything like that i don't think that that's the case Uh, i mean god help you if you try to do a smear campaign against roma this year because (laughs) i can't i can't even imagine what what that take is going to look like um but yeah uh i don't know like this is uh Netflix has a I think Netflix has a, a real real winner potentially on their hands here um, that still while the race is wide open it could become the first ever foreign language film to win the best picture Oscar that's crazy and it's from Netflix of all people <laughs> the studio that the industry hates oh. For them to get that distinction here would be incredible. Uh, Beatrice, what do you make right now of uh, Roma's Oscar prospects? Uh, I mean, I think that it, sh- it should be the front runner on, on so many fronts, or on so many fronts, <laughs> uh, in, in a, the majority of the categories. But uh, I have a feeling that it's going to go away. It's going to come out of it with maybe like one big prize, like director. It will actually be... Uh, not as celebrated as as we expect. Um, that's just my gut suspicion. I, I have been thinking about this a little bit lately. Like I have been contemplating a world where it doesn't get this, like a film editing nomination, potentially, right? Because it's not flashy film editing. Right. There's no like editing techniques or anything like that. That 
uh, people would normally in that branch like associate with best editing. I could even see a world where the screenplay doesn't get in. I, I could see that as well. Um, what do you think of cinematography? Oh, I definitely think cinematography is getting in for sure. Yeah, I, I think cinematography is getting in too, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I I really loved Quaron's cinematography in this. It, it's not particularly flashy, but I thought it was so effective to the film's goals. It used to be my favorite cinematography of the year, but I just saw the favorite last night, and I think that is actually replacing it. That that is my favorite <laughs> as well. Oh, really? <laughs> cool. Uh, what, yeah. what about you, Jose? Like, do you see like any areas where Roma might be a little vulnerable in the Oscar race? Well, I have to say that first of all, like, I'm mostly looking forward to seeing what Yelitsa Parisa wears on the red carpet. Yeah. I wonder who will design her dress. <laughs> I know, and uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I feel that if it ends up getting like a bunch of nominations and then losing everything, it would be in great company. Just like the, you know, the the masterpieces that we talk about every day haven't won any Oscars. So I think. If it loses everything, I think it would be, you know, a badge of honor. Mm. <laughs> well, in terms That's of right. in terms of wins right now, I mean, I definitely think that I, I, I have to say and I and I, I never feel comfortable saying lock, but I think this has best foreign language film locked. I, I, I cannot see any scenario where another film defeats Roma for best foreign language film. It, it's like the year of a more, you know, it got in best picture and it got in best foreign language film. A film that can get into both categories is immediately a lock for the winning foreign language film, at least. You know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, same thing happened. Right. So the question then becomes, can it win both? That would be incredible. Especially, too, because foreign language films have had a very, very tough time in the States of breaking through and being as heavily embraced, obviously, as American films are. And I did, I definitely think that with the rise of film Twitter and bloggers and, you know, just word getting out there more through streaming devices such as like Filmstruck, which RIP, love you, Filmstruck. <laughs> I definitely think that there, and oh, and whatever point too, Remember, this is going to be on Netflix. It's going to be widely accessible. I think that there is going to start, hopefully, uh, there's going to be like a wave of support within the Academy for foreign language films in more categories outside of the typical foreign language film category. I, I, and I hope that like we can consider performances and the technicals from foreign language films at the Oscars. I like I don't want the Oscars to just be about American film. I want them to be about representing all film from all walks of life. And I'm re- I, and maybe this is putting too much of a burden on Roma, but I really really hope that Roma can be kind of a a start of that. Right. Also, I, I think that something interesting is that in many ways all this like awards races become political statements at some point. And I think that a vote for Roma is a vote against all the racism coming from the the precedent. And a vote for Roma is a vote against the wall, a vote against how he calls Mexicans rapists and criminals. So I think a lot of people will be thinking about that when they vote for when they see Roma on their ballots. They're going to be like, yeah, let's show this guy you know, why Mexico is so important, why it matters. I mean, I, I definitely get that sense too, especially after our last two winners, Moonlight and The Shape of Water. Uh, to your point, um, 
while, you know, it's like maybe the filmmakers didn't set out to necessarily make them, you know, political, that's just sometimes the way the narrative takes hold. And I could very easily see that happening with Roma. Very easily. All right. With that said, any final thoughts before we go? Uh, I just wanted, I, I do have one thing. I wanted to thank you, Matt, uh, and kudos to you, because like one of my favorite things about, about you know, getting to see Roma has been getting to see what other Hispanic uh, critics are writing about it. So thank you for having uh, Beatrice and I here. Like, you know, Beatrice, you're the first Hispanic person that I've spoken to, you know, outside of Twitter uh, about the film. And so thank you, Matt. I, I, I appreciate you bringing us together for this. Yeah. Yes, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't expecting that, but I I, I appreciate that that you that you guys uh, like that. I hope our listeners definitely enjoyed uh, this review of Roma. And for those that haven't seen it yet, I highly, 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 highly. I mean, if our gradings of you know a hundred out of ten did not you know convince you, <laughs> highly recommend that you check out this movie and see for yourself what everybody is talking about. And you know, I I would though as a word of caution. I would just say, please, 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 if you're going to watch it from home, try to watch it in one sitting. Don't pause it, get up, do laundry, come back to it later. Try very hard to watch it in one sitting. That's my only, only request. Even better, go see it in a movie theater where you can't <laughs> walk away from it. You know, you're kind of forced to watch it because uh, this is a movie that is supposed to wash over you. You need to let it wash over you. So, Jose, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this review of Roma. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Um, just go to my Twitter where I post my writing. I write about theater a lot. So I'm at, at Jose Solis Mayen, M-A-Y-E-N. And there you can find all my writing. Thank you, Matt. Absolutely. Beatrice? And you can also find me on Twitter at Bia. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Roma here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and now newly on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback, your support. And if you're also feeling generous, head on over to Patreon, $1 minimum. We'll get you some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. We shall see you all next time. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.